the theme for the <coughs> afternoon talk is a regularly stated quote by uh, the Buddha. This, this is the quote. This is not me, this is not myself, this is not who I am. This is the quote. With the talk with you this afternoon, <coughs> I'd like to give some uh, commentary on the quote to show the way that it applies very directly and appropriately to our uh, days here. And the purpose behind the quote and the intention uh, with, the, with the talk is to offer a very perhaps fresh way of looking at this whole human experience and therefore it offers a certain break from the conditioned habit and repetition of looking in the same old problematic way which generates so much difficulty for human beings the way you view your existence is critical is the essential the way you look at it the view you have about life about yourself about what is happening here the view the view and try to if you can bear this in mind a little bit the other point is for the teachings there that the request is from myself that you sit on the chair kneeling or cross-legged if you have health problems and back problems of course you're very welcome to be in the reclining posture um, and the only re other reason to be in a reclining posture is because you're dead <laughs> and it's a poor excuse alright so <clears throat> and the, people ask me why Christopher, why? because sometimes people have good intention to lie down in the horizontal, horizontal posture and listen the talks are serious and the person starts snoring it's not intentional but it really breaks the rhythm of the flow that's the reason no other nothing religious about it it's practical and my goodness me it's Christopher talking from experience of listening to the snorers alright the talk with the days that have taken place so far I'd just like to repeat uh, a little bit the precious and wonderful morning instructions of our co-teachers. There is a common element to all of this. And the common uh, element being here, it is a practice of a firm purpose, a firm intention to see very clearly what is taking place. And that requires from us an energy, an interest, a quiet determination and purpose to really connect with this experience of being human. And on the first day, the primary focus was given with regard to the sitting posture on the breath. It's to really experience breathing in and breathing out in such a way that when you come to the very last breath of your life that hopefully you will be awake and you will be conscious and calm and clear right to the very last breath goes out of your body. I said to a, a few of my friends I will not be pleased at all if I die in my sleep. The focused on the mindfulness <laughs> you get the point the focus on the mindfulness 
of, of the breathing, as mentioned to you already, is this capacity to stay steady and clear that there is breath coming in and there is breath going out. It is a step too far to say, I, 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 I am breathing. It is a step too far in these teachings. The body is breathing. The I does not breathe. It doesn't have the capacity to breathe. There is breathing taking place. This view, breathing is inhaling and exhaling. And the steadiness and the quiet bringing of the attention back to this is one important feature of the practice. There is breathing in, there is breathing out. And the reason for it is there is the body and there is consciousness. You and I, so to speak, are conscious of this process. The times of departure from the breath are as important in these teachings as the times of being with the breath. When we depart from the breath, it requires a mindfulness and a certain clarity. Is what I depart to important? Much of it, it is not. It is just the leaves or the thoughts, so to speak, blowing in the wind. It's just the brain cells emitting some ideas. It's just the perforation, the accumulation of chitter-chatter in the mind. It's distracting, it's irrelevant, and there is not a single reason to try to go into it. Daydreaming, fantasizing, remembering, fanciful ideas about the future, who I was in my last life, and all that nonsense. And so sometimes we need the clarity. I do not need to be thinking about this. I do not need to be daydreaming uh, about this. I am wasting my life living like that. That's the kind of extra energy that we need. So that we give the being to the immediacy of what's happening. On this earth I'm breathing in and out. Perhaps it's a doorway to something deep you cannot go deep by daydreaming cannot go deep by fantasizing and projecting and imagining it's a superficial life it's a waste of existence and so we put the emphasis firmly and clearly uh, there with the, in this case, with the breathing experience and a shift in the view, to repeat if I may, a shift in the view. There is this breathing taking place. Let the I, give it a break. Take the I word out of the picture for a little, little while. It might contribute to seeing in a fresh way. And then with the walking periods, though the breath is not the priority, but still, the purposefulness of intention really matters here. And with, with that, the walking is a quiet discipline to experience each foot as it touches the ground, to feel the life, the elements of the body as a creature on this earth. Um, as Leto was reminding uh, you yesterday evening, as a creature on this earth, just being the bare creature walking on the earth with the intention here of having some authentic space in your life free from all of these other responsibilities all of these other roles and to feel remember to feel like what is, does it feel like just to be a creature on the earth with no identity not being anybody special not being important to anybody, not even being important to yourself. Just being a simple creature on this earth who is totally committed to being the creature who is walking up and down. Sometimes people will come and say to the teachers, Oh, I don't like walking. 
Well, chop your legs off. The interest will come back remarkably quickly. We are creatures. We are two-legged creatures. We walk. But so often, the walking and the intimacy and the power of the walking take second place to either thinking about where I'm coming from or thinking about where I'm going to. So the walking experience is viewed, this is the view again, is viewed only as a means to an end. It's only to, oh, oh, the bell has gone. Oh, now I can have one of the three peak experiences of the day, which is called at 7.30, breakfast, at 12.30, lunch, and at 5.30, the evening, and the rest I have to endure. Some people come to the retreats for the food. Some of us do. (laughs) All right. So the intention is the body, that is the walking, is used to get somewhere. And that's the idea, the formation in the mind. But what would it be to have the walking experience with no thought in the mind of a destination. That the act of the walking is the event. And if that thought is out of the consciousness and you are just walking as if, for example, you, perhaps some of you have known this, you've been in hospital, you've had an injury to your leg, the good uh, doctors and nurses have given you the support and you've healed and for the first time perhaps for days or weeks you can get out of bed and you can take your first steps the gratitude the appreciation not because you're going somewhere because you're just walking on the earth it's a privilege to walk on the earth And we take it for granted. We take the beautiful things of life as if there is some God-given right to always have the capacity to walk. This deep love, it is a love, for just the experience of, in this case, of walking, the real commitment uh, uh, to it, will put into perspective much else in your life. If you get it right, of living on this earth, breathing, being a creature who is walking and get the basics in place. All this consumerism, this horrendous capitalism, this destruction of life, all of that you will have no interest because you found something precious about being human and your care and your love will be present. And that requires from you, from all of us, an extraordinary dedication to live, to breathe, to walk, to listen. And sometimes, instead of I am walking, which is the normal convention, and of course one can use the convention, letting the I be out of the story. The I can't walk. I is just an I. It's a minor friction in the inner life I can't do any walking this walks and so sometimes the view with the eye out of the picture ah, there is this walking taking place there is a mindfulness and the intention and the connection there is this walking taking place there are these intentions taking place And when the eye is not obstructing so much there, a different sense of being and walking can occur. And we might use the language of I. I might say no. I could say, I am sitting here. I can't sit. But anyway, I am sitting here, we can say. I am talking to you, we can say. But if one's really looked 
And one knows it's really, the eye is just a convenient little friction, a little event that pops itself up. And it's no more than that. Then the senses are, there is talking happening. There is this sitting happening. There is this creature of the earth communicating which is happening. And the sense is much more in that direction. This view is precious. It's worth enduring the difficulties and challenges to have a real clear look at breathing, at walking, at sitting, at the event itself. We then explored the body. Extraordinary thing to look at the the the, uh, the whole wonder of this formation, this um, gathering of the elements, we might say, uh, of the body. One of the great problems with human beings is detachment from the body. It is rather ironic that a view partly through an error of the uh, Buddhist scholars and Buddhist, uh, some Buddhist teachers as well it's rather ironic that sometimes we are told oh Buddha, Buddhism uh, the Buddha teaches detachment there is not a single word in 10,000 discourses which is anywhere near close to the word detachment it is not at all in the Buddha's teachings, period. The word is simply not there. And if I may say, with 50 years of connection with these uh, teachings, we ought to know. And that, unfortunately, from a century ago, it only takes a little mistranslation. We were hearing uh, yesterday evening... Um, in the, uh, the, the staff uh, meeting um, the translation vanity, vanity, all is vanity it's a mistranslation of the, of the Hebrew word but it, it gets stuck and the word means vapour that which kind of is coming out and producing itself there's a different sensitivity when we find out the real meaning of what the word is the Buddha uses the word viraga V-I-R-A-G-A It got translated as detachment. Raga, there, it means to inflame, understand the word? Inflame a situation. If you've got a small fire and you put wood on it, or petrol, you inflame it. Understand? Human beings inflame situations. Greed is to inflame a situation. You exaggerate something, and you I must have. Anger, blame, is to inflame a situation. Boredom, dullness, reactivity, is to inflame a situation. Anxiety, worry, and stress, is to inflame it. You heard the hindrances earlier today. Doubt, whatever, and that, chronic doubt which cripples us when we're in a state of doubt shall I stay, shall I go, shall I do this shan't I, we can't respond we've inflamed the situation so much we can't make up our mind fear and I mean fear, any kind of fear, it inflames an event we can't respond well because we're so fearful the Buddha teaches the end of inflaming a situation. It's got nothing to do with detachment. To stop inflaming things that it makes us angry or upset or depressed or anxious because we've added, put too much into something there. When we are giving care uh, with the body, it is from a place of detachment and disconnection with the body that all our problems come. And when we're cut off from the close elemental contact 
that we're speaking of here, seeing um, uh, the body well and clearly. When we're cut off from that, it's going to affect what we eat, it's going to affect the way that we view ourselves, it's going to affect the way we look at other people in terms of the physical attractions and aversions, building them up, putting them down. It's going to affect all our judgments, good, bad, right and wrong about the body. It's because we're disconnected. We're not actually close to the body. We're so detached from it, so disconnected, that in that space of the disconnection and the body, whoa, watch out, the shit will come through it, it hits the fan. And that's the tragedy. I was uh, uh, sitting in a, a, a small suburb just before uh, uh, coming here, um, staying uh, at the home of Milan, just having a, um, a morning coffee. Uh, uh, there, and I have to, I have to say, cappuccinos in Tel Aviv, uh, excellent. Our coffee shop, <laughs> our, our, our coffee shop man in the it's called the Hairy Barista. Uh, there is where, where we go for our morning uh, uh, coffee uh, he makes excellent coffee but of course he's an Israeli <laughs> he makes really good coffee so we go there he's called, the coffee shop is called the hairy barista because he's got such an impressive amount of hair <laughs> in all the directions so it's a, it's a hairy barista alright so I say, sometimes I'm looking, just looking around, and I'm looking, I'm, forgive me, no don't, I, w- I was looking around and seeing people of my, my age group, I'm 74, so people of my uh, uh, a- 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 age group uh, there, and it's the same in Europe and even worse, in, of course, in the, in the United States. In the, what happens in the disconnection from the body, the lack of presence of the body, things begin to happen to the body. The bend, the old look, beginning. And the body, I found, what I was eating in my 30s, now, so that half my life ago, the amount that I eat now has gone down by at least 50%. So then the metabolism, or whatever the scientists want to call it, was faster, so it got burnt up uh, more. I'm still putting out the same amount of energy, I'm still doing exactly the same uh, things. The amount of food which is required has gone down by 50%. Unfortunately, many of my peers of my age group are still eating the same amount. It's not that they're greedy, it's not they're stuffing themselves full of food full of, because of anxiety, they still haven't realized that the body hasn't required that amount of food that it required long ago. It doesn't need that amount now. And the consequences of that, instead of growing tall with life, they're growing rather wide. <laughs> Back and front and sideways uh, there. And it takes some connection to realize and recognize in our relationship to uh, uh, the body there that if we're really connected with it it gives us the opportunity then having a sense of what the body needs because we're, we're connected with it <coughs> and it's not that we're all going to be you know, nice slim uh, uh, models Ajahn Buddhadasa, my old teacher he was beautifully rounded in, in the various directions, he ate one. He ate one meal a day. He didn't eat very much uh, 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 at all. And it's just for some, the cells just naturally expand out. Got nothing to do with being disconnected there. But a lot of cases, and in a lot of times, unfortunately, and with this merciless, cruel, brutal uh, food industry that we have. Uh, that it doesn't help us. Please listen to the body. And we listen to it not through detachment, but through connection, through feeling, through the sensitivities there. 
and rather similarly I may say with pasture and therefore intimacy of connection is our primary which is what we are engaged in here with the physical sitting, walking, standing and reclining uh, there and similarly with the, the, the food uh, itself and it's a credit, a great credit to uh, uh, Tovena of providing a plant-based diet and I had this personally and some others a very good reminder in terms of animal welfare because if you we feel love and connection with the animals sometimes it can affect our diet as well it's not just oh for health reasons it's about our relationship so it was here in April we had a two week uh, teacher training program agents of change one morning I said instead of the first uh, sitting we will make a yatra that means pilgrimage to the small cemetery which is about 15 to 20 minutes walk away here and some of your the previous earlier generations of um, Hungarian Jews uh, uh, f- fleeing from the monster of uh, what happened in uh, uh, Europe set up this um, uh, kibbutz which we have the privilege of using as we were walking by in silent single file to pay respect to the generations which include the residents who lived here sometimes children and the young who died some of your soldiers who came from this kibbutz died we went to pay respect there we passed by the area where there were some cows and calves there and we could hear the calves the baby cows there crying they were not long born and the practice is everywhere the calf is born it's immediately within an hour separated from its mother it's put in a separate pen cage from the the mother to maximise the milk to take from the mother and as we walked by we could see this which is going on on thousands of farms every uh, every day it makes some of us question about the dairy products I don't say everybody should be plant based actually I do really but (laughs) 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 but it's worth being well informed to make conscious choices to be as caring as possible and see the ways and it's only one of the ways to see ways that we can give support to health and well-being and support to our animal world and support to our environment that's connection that, that is connection in the exploration of organic life and the uh, experience of um, being on uh, on this earth with the meditations uh, there once again the encouragement to really connect really it's really worthwhile to really feel the body experience uh, there and then n- next step uh, which we spoke about was the application of feelings to life sometimes we we call ourselves um, uh, human human beings being what sometimes I don't know but human beings we call ourselves and, and we're rather conceited creatures we sometimes even dare call ourselves homo sapiens I mean I mean how egotistical can one can one get I think it would be more precise as I wrote in one of my books don't call ourselves homo sapiens call ourselves homo shoppians <laughs> but anyway so sometimes there we look at our being we look at uh, uh, in terms of the breathing as I mentioned and as the body life and sometimes we really recognise the importance of feelings if, if we are to speak of ourselves in any way perhaps we might say we are human feelings 
we feel. And it isn't an easy area, like with the others, to explore what is the feeling. And once I recognize what the feeling is about anything, what do I do with that feeling? What do I make, important word here, what do I make out of what I feel? And it, that shows the wise from those who suffer through what we make of what we feel. You can be here for X number of days. We are here for X number of days. We're on the third full day here. You have some feelings about being here. The feelings. <clears throat> and sometimes there may be, hopefully, there are moments of feeling, may not be easy, but one's here feeling okay with being here. One may not know quite on earth with the cognition why you are here, you, you may not know. But that somehow or other the feeling tone is that one is here in this situation uh, there and to some level or other it still feels okay. It might change by the end of the talk but at the moment it still feels okay uh, to, to be here. When there are some feelings murmuring inside, pleasant or unpleasant or in between, the quality of your life is dependent on how you relate to those feelings. Your life is related, my life is related. How do I relate to these feelings? It's, they are that deep in the being nature of the human being and sometimes the feeling that arises is pleasant <coughs> hallelujah Allah is merciful it's a pleasant <laughs> pleasant feeling which is arising but the movement and the expression of the pleasant feeling and the appreciation of it can I experience the pleasant without it leading to a demand on the other. I may have a pleasant perception of another person here. It could be friendship, it could be uh, romantic, it, it could be all sent with all sorts of possibilities. This goes on a lot in the silence uh, there. So there's, there's the pleasantness of the feeling, and there may be the view of another or others uh, there. If in the emergence from the pleasant, in this case, with regard, say, to the view uh, of the other, easily that view of her or him uh, or, or then on the pleasant feeling can develop more and more wanting more and more wanting every addiction starts off with the pleasant every one of them starts off I really like this I really enjoy this I really like this taste I really like doing this I really like having this Consumerism is completely dependent on addiction for its survival. D addictive behavior. So a caring, responsible, conscious human being is deeply, deeply aware of what one is feeling and what we do with the pleasant feeling. And is the action coming out of neediness, habit, the past, karma, history, forcing us, I want, I want. And to really recognize, is this feeling got a history behind it which is pushing me into drugs, 
into alcohol, into overeating, uh, into gambling, into sex, into demanding attention from other people, into more shopping, into wanting more money. Is the history pushing the feeling in a direction? And if it is, it's a problem. Can we, this is a part of our practice, experience the joy of a pleasant feeling, love it, it's beautiful, it's healing, it's precious, it's essential for human life there, but there is no demand following on from it. The past doesn't have the history to push us in a, in a direction. If you understand what is said, you'll enjoy life. Oh my God, you'll enjoy it. Oh, goodness me, you'll have an amazing time. <laughs> Joy will be coming out of the flowers and out of the trees and out of the birds and out of the beauty of the women and men here and out of the food and out of the day. Well, wow, so much joy will be coming out, you, won't, you will not know what to do with it all. That's what these teachings offer. A profound, deep understanding of the beauty and the wonder of the pleasant in life and to experience it in countless, mysterious, mystical, everyday, worldly ways and to heart and the being to know there's a happiness and there is this joy and love and there is no demand on the other for it. The goods, the item, the money, the individual, the person, the group, there is no demand because there's no pressure left inside. One knows what happiness is really about. Sometimes we experience the unpleasant. As I said yesterday, life is not always the picnic. And as one of our beloved poets says, we could be having a picnic, but there could be a huge storm coming. <laughs> Life, in its extraordinariness of conditions and contingencies and events, we never know, we never know. We are, as our poets say, we are Shakespeare, innocent abroad. We are innocent. One of the uh, lovely meditators here was uh, telling us uh, today she was there just quietly on the lawn and then uh, looked around and, and, and just saw the children of the Sangha meaning that the, the beauty and the innocence that, that we are as human, human beings and sometimes that sense of innocence and wonder we could have a sense of something deep uh, uh, with each other and not just the noisiness of our life in the pleasant I spoke about in the unpleasant uh, there what do we make of the unpleasant you could be the Buddha you could be the Messiah of the Middle East you will still experience unpleasant feelings they're the inescapable but what is escapable is a relationship to the unpleasant feelings which do not lead into suffering. What is the view? And sometimes, instead of saying, this is me, this is who I am, or whatever, the view, this is not me, this is not who I am, and Sometimes that view, just to see, as I said earlier, rather than, oh, I am feeling angry, an unpleasant feeling, I am um, feeling um, mad, or I am feeling anguish, or worry, or frustration, instead of seeing it in that way, as a start, as a small step, to actually state clearly the simple truth of it, this is not me, this is not myself, this is not who I am. There is no withdrawal, 
you haven't detached yourself, you haven't stepped back, what you are now saying is, there is this unpleasant feeling, there is this agitation, there is this stress, there is this phenomena going on inside. And to start to see it without so much use of the eye gives us more option and more possibility to work with it. This is why it's called a non-self teaching. It's a, tip, it's a liberation teaching from the problematic aspects of the eye. And sometimes, if we've done our practice, and we're doing our practice well, and we've got the capacity to focus, to be mindful, to be concentrated, to stay steady, which is what we're doing, sitting, walking, standing and reclining, we can look at a difficult feeling which is there and be clear enough about there is this difficult feeling I'm not in denial I'm not withdrawing I'm not trying to detach myself in fact I'm staying very close to it I'm really interested in this phenomena and it's not leading into agitation fear, anger, blame, worry, jealousy and distress because I'm just seeing it as it is and I'm not feeding it and this saves you from a miserable existence it's not the unpleasant feeling it's what we've done with it what we are doing with it and the reason that the unpleasant feeling is so important and I'm a firm promoter of the unpleasant uh, feeling I hope you all of you have plenty of unpleasant feelings in your life I, uh, uh, if you don't mind me saying <laughs> because for many of us out of the unpleasant it has been the spark to act I find the contemporary polit politics in Washington in the Knesset in uh, London and elsewhere very unsatisfactory I can't find pleasant feelings about what's going on I can't find pleasant feelings about the corporate world and the destructiveness that's, go that's going on I can't find pleasant feelings about the corruption and the abuse of men, women, children and the environment and animals and, and, and so forth my unpleasant feeling about it as for many of you is the spark it is the moment which says I'm going to do something what I can some action can take place human beings need the unpleasant to contribute to wise action as much as we need the pleasant to feel the joy and the happiness and the wonder of life and these teachings are clear unmistakable teachings please give real deep attention to what you feel at times there's this kind of in-between world as we refer to neither pleasant nor unpleasant and, and, and someone may say to you oh, how, how are you today? And you say, okay. It is a kind of another way of saying, well, not especially pleasant, but it's not painful nor unpleasant, it's kind of in, in between. This in between world of feeling, it is a feeling, is equally as important as the pleasant feeling and all that can go with it. And the unpleasant feeling and all that can go with it for better or worse in either direction. And if a human being just spends too much time in a kind of neutrality between the pleasant and the unpleasant, be careful. There's no virtue in it. Because if one spends too much time, a dullness will begin to settle in. A certain apathy a certain indifference it, it can become a weight someone's not
touched with the feelings of life called the pleasant and the joyful called the unpleasant and uh, the willingness to change and we're so to speak in between these two areas and if we start to lose our connection in our receptivity to the joyful and the challenging the difficult and we live in this this itself will weigh us down will become boring boring to ourselves and boring to our neighbours and the dullness uh, will set in and an apathy and an indifference and gradually that feeling will become very negative it's fine sometimes in the meditations you will sit and you will say to us as teachers oh Oh, I'm doing the meditations, nothing is happening. It's a myth, but we'll agree with the myth for about two seconds. And, but, oh, there's nothing happening. <coughs> Actually, there's a lot going on, but one isn't seeing it. There's always a lot going on, but we're not seeing it. And why aren't we seeing it? We're not seeing it because there's a little film of dullness across the consciousness. A little loss of energy. Too much scratching of the head. Too much thinking about. And, and then that sense in the middle, um, it gets a little bit weight. And then when there's some weight of not feeling the life, Sure as sure, like night follows day, in will come the doubt. Why am I doing this? I'm not getting anything out of it. I could be doing something else. And the view then arises, it's all because of the poor teachings, poor teachers, or the food's not good enough, or it's too hot, or the fan's on, or the fan's off, can't sleep at night. It's, it's such a uh, human mind gosh one has to bow down to its eccentric behaviour and sometimes it's just that there is a period of time in which it's neither pleasant nor painful it's somewhere in between it is okay to experience something in between but please the same reminder be mindful of what you make of it be mindful of the views that come out of you when you're feeling a bit tired or a bit dull or sense nothing is happening. Be really clear. This is the experience. Don't make any more out of it than that. And that will give you the opportunity to be receptive. So... How am I doing? Because I'm just warming up here and it's already nearly <laughs> all right. <laughs> Give me two minutes. <laughs> so just to reflect a little bit with you. The dedication and the commitment. Life, breathing, to develop concentration, focus and steadiness. One, there is breathing taking place. Two, to be deeply connected with the body. No detachment really experiencing the body feeling the life of the body the wild of the, the body the body is a creature the body is a human really experiencing it really well and clearly uh, in that uh, way giving it a real priority thirdly really in the receptivity and connectedness with that, to really listen deeply really listen deeply with regard to the way we use the body, the importance of exercise and and uh, movement, uh, there, which is of course offered and uh, available here, to be really receptive and connected with food and space in your stomach and and how much you need, uh, and really making that a really important mindfulness practice uh, uh, for you, and then so it's breathing, the body life really looking at the view there is this body 
which is worthy of respect, worthy of support, worthy of taking care of. But this body is not I, it is not myself, it is not who I am, there is this body. And then thirdly, the feeling life, really giving real care and attention to what the feeling is. And rather than I, 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 me, me, my, my feeling, there is this feeling here. That is the truth of it. And this feeling is pleasant, or it is unpleasant or difficult, or it is somewhere in between. Let me be clear about that, and to be clear, what do I make of it? Is what I make of it healthy and skillful, and making and uh, valuable, or is what I'm making of it a problem? Is it feeding an addiction? Is it just getting reactive about? Is it getting stuck with in that middle one? So we're really giving real care to these three ranges or kinds of feelings in life and for the simple and obvious reason it's your life and out of the deep of the exploration there is that which embraces accommodates and includes this whole sense of our being and if we get this perspective right with a view which is wise and skillful and helpful for us it really opens up the door to much, much more much, much more a well-adjusted a well-integrated an emotionally well-harmonised human being has made one important step but it's not the last step but it's a really precious one to make. Let's have our quiet minute, shall we? <coughs> beings live mindful lives may all beings give attention to what matters may all beings know love and liberation <coughs> 